0: Out of Boston, Texas, you're listening to the Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast. Here's your host, Sheila Dean.
1: Good afternoon. It is Saturday, the 3rd of December. We're back after a couple weeks vacation. I said I'd attend to the Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast and Corresponding Tech Uh. Advancement of news here on this Saturday So I think what we're gonna do is we're gonna merge the AI beat into the unsanctioned citizen and just make it one one amalgamated show Um, Just to keep it concise because we don't have endless amounts of time for podcasting Even though it's fun, and I like Colin uh, I just don't have as much time for podcasting as I did during the hundred days of Colin which was Oh my God, that was endless, but it was so worth it. Um, one of the yields of that time was really amazing. Uh, was to to be apprised of the Nils Melzer text. So, um, if you haven't listened to the uh, to the chapter readings that we were doing of uh, the trial of Julian Assange, I highly recommend go back and give it a. a listen because it was very educational about how how censorship happens and how governments even this government is kind of attempting to cover for its own um, mistakes by saying they don't exist (laughs) that didn't happen these are not the drones you're looking for (laughs) so um, Welcome to the program. I I see that we've got Kevin here, which is awesome. We missed you, Kevin. And obsolete. Um, Jimmy Two Times says your mic has a hum. Okay. Let's figure it out. Hello, Mr. Jimmy Two Times. Try to get it to go. Is anybody else witnessing a hum? Hey, William. How's it going? So today is just going to be kind of like a quick quick and dirty review of some of the stuff that I've understood about CISA. Now CISA is the arm of the the cybersecurity arm of the federal government facing the public but it's been assumed by the Department of Homeland Security. That's typically not a problem because cybersecurity is really important and up until now uh, there's just been a real fight to get uh, the public end of cybersecurity to to go well, meaning to get enough cybersecurity coverage and enforcement for things like keeping your updates and making sure that there's adequate um, protection around the civil space because you're forced to deal with the federal government. You're forced to put your information there and they generate information for you because they are the government. And a lot of that information should be protected. It is sensitive information, um, and we want to believe deep down that the government has our best interest in mind, because because we're we're required we're required to to do that with them. And um, <clears throat> but sometimes it doesn't go that way. And in the event that they're not really doing it right, which DHS has had a history of kind of reaching over the law and using hinky justification uh, based on things that they are told by the national security state, you must do this, you must do this, um, based on foreign policy agendas and that sort of thing. It gets kind of, you know, bled down and the the boundaries are not very clean and there's a lot of finger shaking and go do what I want kind of thing. So jurisdictionally, DHS has the most spread for dealing directly with the American public. Like they, they have the TSA, they have um, you know, all the FEMA spread. They've got a lot of uh, ten, tentacles in all different areas of uh, the United States in terms of, of government. You know, they, they, they touch the people literally, you know, in in those spaces. So, <clears throat> it doesn't surprise me that when and if the State Department decided that they're going to adopt WHO, like, information, disinformation, and danger and safety around language and news and news protocols, that they would approach Department of Homeland Security to go execute that and who did they go to well at first they tried going to this in misinformation board okay that became an absolute outrage nobody wanted it they thought it was dismantled no they didn't they had a po- they had like a department backup and that ended up being CISA and the Cyber Security Board, or the Cyber Safety Relations Board, okay? And uh, risk management for CISA. So that's the tenting for what I'm about to tell you. Okay, since, since that time, the misinformation, disinformation, we've discovered, and it has come out in the wash, through Twitter, that Twitter has was approached by members of the Biden administration, DHS and others to to please put the kibosh on certain information because we're asking you to because we are the government. And they are literally not allowed to do that. Like that's illegal, they should not be doing that. The government is not allowed to do that. No matter what you have been told or what you believe in your heart, it is not legal for the United States federal government to prohibit the speech going out on a platform okay so you know it's it's not about what we believe it's about what's legal and what's true so that's that's what's true so <clears throat> so I, I, I wrote an article kind of fleshing out where where the hell does this policy actually come from Because this This actually didn't really begin inside the United States. Um, It began during the pandemic and then it kind of got troughed into the great reset uh, panel of organizational change that kind of got doctored in. Um, And so let me tell you some of the fruit of that tree. So physicians sue the state over a chilling new medical censorship law, AB 2098. Okay, so the G20 adopts this, you know, huge panel of of global uh, ESG, SDG, financial reforms, and in there is conciliation to monitor health information and disinformation campaigns. So I put a link up here at the top. There's the Unsanctioned Citizen. If you just push to the left, there's three articles there. and the last one is how the United States abrogated how the United States abrogated congressional consensus to adopt G20 policy in an unlawful attempt to censor America online. Okay. So there it is. There it is. All right, so some of the some of the things that happened. The physicians sued the state over chilling medical censorship. Civil Liberties Group is challenging a new and controversial scientific consensus bill on constitutional grounds a month after it was signed by Governor Gavin Newsom. So states can't make laws that conflict with the rights guaranteed in the Bill of Rights and other parts of the Constitution, said Janine Yoon's Litigation Council with the new Civil Liberties Alliance, NCLA. The NCLA filed the complaint November 1 in the Eastern District of California on behalf of on behalf of doctors Tracy Hogue, uh, Ram Duritzi, Geri, Ger, uh, sorry Gericetti, sorry, thank you. Eric Carriardi, Pete Mazaluski, and Azade Katatibi. I guess. Like, oh God, I'm so bad at names sometimes. Um, alleging that A.B. 2098 is being weaponized as a way to silence, intimidate, and punish doctors who dissent from mainstream views. They're just trying to produce evidence-based medicine in many cases. I, I called to the, to the front of your memory. Dr. Robert Malone, who invented the vaccine, suddenly found out it wasn't going to work like... As planned that it w- wasn't going to have the vaccination efficacy that it was promised and for saying so Pfizer and a bunch of people at the FDA in the government they just said no you're not, you shall not say this you shall be cancelled so <clears throat> so um, I'd like to invite up William he's talking about Sarah I'm gonna invite you to speak really quickly So, if you're here, and you can just invite your listenership, if you can, just hit your little man with a plus at the invite tab at the bottom of your app, and we'll try to get some more people in here to listen. So, hey, William. See if we can get you to unmute your mic. Are you there?
0: Hear me okay?
1: Yeah, I can hear you. Great right now.
0: Okay, I just invited my friends, um, my followers. So um, I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm okay. Welcome to the app too, and um, yeah, I mean, um, you mentioned Doctor Malone. I remember the first Dark Horse, um, Brett Weinstein, and video that we together. Like five and a half hours, and that, that YouTube pulled that sucker. You know what I mean? It wasn't up for too long, you know. Oh man! Yeah, and so um, obviously, uh, uh, frontline the frontline COVID all the doctors, the good doctors like Pierre Corey and Peter McCullough Merrick, that were using the repurposed drugs. You know what I mean? Uh, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and then. Come day seven or eight, if somebody had a cytokine storm, using uh, antihistamines and corticosteroids, and they were keeping people out of the hospital, even people ninety years old and stuff.
1: Unbelievable! Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, I yeah. mean we
1: never we never used to do things like that. I know. Yeah, but we the- never we never did things during you know because we've had nastier flu seasons, oh, yeah. but because people got adequate treatment, they didn't die. Right. But people weren't allowed to even attend the hospital, even if they were sick, which was ludicrous.
0: Yeah, it's it's really sad and, and sick. It's malpractice. And then the drug they put them on, the Rendesivir, that antiviral, is repurposed from the Ebola trials, where it had a 33%, 30 odd percent uh, renal failure rate, which is, you know, liver kidney failure rate. And they pulled it from the Ebola trials; it was so deadly. They actually removed it. That's the drug they approved of if you got into the hospital. Absolute insanity. Meanwhile, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine on the World Health Organization list of essential medicines for decades. You know, and um, yeah, you know, they nothing made
1: I, any sense. It was I, nonsense medicine. It really was.
0: I contend it was flat out malpractice and known no malpractice because there's articles and I don't know how much time you, I, you know, I want to let you get back to your story but you know my dad used to sell for Big Pharma uh, J.B. Cyril for several decades and he's very clear with me you know, They're clear of pharma medicines and go herbal but the point is in the NIH uh, PubMed uh, Medical Journal which Fauci uh, should have been reading um, you know There's plenty of information there, back to 2005, on chloroquine, uh, safe and effective versus coronavirus. Hydroxychloroquine is even a safer version. That's 2005. And then zinc and zinc ionophores 2010, effective versus coronavirus and other viruses called arteriviruses, RNA viruses, even polio in the abstract. Zinc and zinc ionophores, which is what Dr. Zelenko, another good doctor who Trump uh, consulted, was all about. So it was it, a combination of those things. Doctor Paul Merrick, who developed what's called the math protocol, with mm-hmm. with, America, with the frontline COVID critical care doctors, he lost his his hospital privileges, and eight of his patients died because they put him on remdesivir and ventilators. And he was he was he, he was heartbroken. He, he testified at a Ron Johnson hearing uh, from Wisconsin, who had several hearings on this. It was heartbreaking, you know. And then you had Peter McCullough, same thing. He was saving people, um, trying to get the message out. They were, you used to be able to actually buy ivermectin through uh, FLCCC, the frontline COVID career doctors, uh, directly. They'd have a pharmacist they would refer you to. and But then the FDA put a kibbutz on that. And then uh, interesting thing I'll, I, I, I'll, I'll say, you just tell me, when it's time um, well called... I mean
1: I do need to get back you yeah, know, yeah, if you yeah, don't mind yeah. if I break in because I called you up here, here. to talk about the, the NSA and cyber and FBI stuff that, oh it right like... right you, I
2: mean
1: yeah, well, do you I... have a do you have a minute on that
0: yeah well I put an article in the live chat um, a link you can find yeah the uh, basically they've been snooping on us since the Patriot Act you know after nine eleven, that whole the Patriot Act um uh, violating the Fourth Amendment, really, our rights of privacy. And, of course, okay. Snowden. Snowden exposed all that. Yeah, so and, that.
1: And, and that's my point exactly, is that they had all this infrastructure already marbled in, yep. and, and they didn't ever dial it back, ever. Okay, they just kind of laid it low and kind of made it seem like it, 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 it submerged itself into uh, a lack of, of noticing. Okay, they don't want the cameras to be noticeable. They don't want the surveillance to be to be felt or noticed. They don't want it to be perceptible that they're that they're doing this. But that's that's their intention is to kind of fly low and take over from underneath, um, kind of like Hades. <laughs> So uh, so let me get to the, back to this article. Physici- physicians sh- must not be coerced into blindly following the establishment consensus and refraining from entering into the debate that is cru- crucial to advancing both science and rational public health policies, the AAPS letter states, AB 2098 will harm the welfare of California patients, the integrity of the medical profession, and the well-being of the entire state. And, and to wit, you know, this is a, this is a good case. They have a good case against the state of California, and, uh, and what they're doing, they've got unconstitutional law happening. So so what is, what is actually going on? Why did California really just kind of double down and go hard? And I'm thinking, well, because there's a national agenda. There's a national agenda that's being pushed through CISA, and CISA is co-administrating they got Twitter and Facebook to, to censor people that they don't want to talk about medicine they don't like, okay? And so that's confirmed news. We all know it. We've, we've seen the reports from The Intercept and, and a tree of other uh, corroborating sources all throughout the pandemic have been indicating that that we are censored, that people who challenge uh, WHO medicine are censored and have been censored. So to move on, um, what we didn't know was that CISA also had an infrastructure arm which was the FEMA uh, officials in your local government, state, local, and tribal government, um, <clears throat> which means that that they would reach for the emergency management folks to tattle on people who had questions about their medicine. So this stuff, the the this is what am I speaking of? I'm speaking of the CISA disinformation toolkit, um, which is posted live on uh, the CISA website, and I'll just I'll just go there quickly. There was the DHS Misinformation Board. This is where it all started. It was supposed to be drafted policy, okay? It was never supposed to be live. This is live policy right now. So um, right now, anyone can be reported... you know because the federal government paid 5 million dollars for software to turn citizens into online misinformation responders okay the DHS is not qualified to to deputize people to report on each other's speech so the the headline reads US federal government paid $5 million of your tax dollars to, for software to turn citizens into misinformation responders through CISA. So, if you're tired of censorship and cancel culture and the erosion of privacy, privacy and civil liberties, subscribe to Reclaim the Net. Journalism group Hacks, Hackers was awarded $5 million by the National Science Foundation to develop software that would encourage ordinary Americans to warn their friends and family about misinformation in their online speech. The users of the software would confront alleged misinformation by replying with text recommended by the software. Hacks hackers have been tasked with developing analysis and response toolkit for trust, ARTT, a suite of expert informed resources that are intended to provide guidance and encouragement to individuals and communities as they address contentious or difficult topics online. Okay, the NSF groups said in an October 24th article, according to the uh, video demonstration of the software, the tool will tell users if a social media post is harmful and if it suggests relevant responses through tailored response examples or templates that users can copy and paste as responses. And then from there, it's supposed to flag the minders in the platform. Okay, if it's Twitter, there's not gonna be any more Uh, health information minders that work for DHS Um, because because Elon Musk has been dedicated most recently to surfacing this this as an agenda, as a problem area and that he doesn't owe the government to tattle on users for routine speech so I just wanted to say that so we, we were getting we're getting people coming in and out. I just wanted to, to finish this out. It says another video by ARTT claimed that the social media efforts to fight misinformation are not as effective in influencers' users' views as efforts made by friends. So the whole point is to recruit your friends to tattle on you if you can't tattle on yourself or someone else. So Uh, That is proof that the federal government is through the National Science Foundation and through other NGOs are kind of working together uh, through hospital associations, you know, to report back to these FEMA state, local, and tribal authorities to get you to say the right thing about medicine, okay? And the, the Right orthodoxy of it well what does that even look like what is it I mean how do we know that the government is right let's see what their prescriptive is so let's go here to this disinformation toolkit so I have an article that I produced today out on Substack and I just want you to go there and give it a shot I picked up a a couple of Taibbi's subscribers through his chat uh, information, and I even got a couple paid subscribers, so thank you very much, Matt. Um, we'll get to his, uh, his trial and tribulation for becoming someone of sudden great note and, and fortune in just a minute. So the disinformation toolkit, let's look at what's in there. What, what are they saying, you know? Is it reasonable? Is it true? So these toolkit resources are designed to help state, local, and tribal, and territorial (SLTT) officials bring awareness to misinformation, disinformation, and conspiracy theories appearing online related to COVID-19's origin, scale, government response, prevention, and treatment. Each product was designed to be tailored with local government website and logos. So they're supposed to just doctor in these, these other little things. Okay, so download and share these resources, talking points, facts, outreach graphics, and posters to help spread awareness. Countering disinformation in social media. Well, let's just click on that and see what that looks like. Oh, that's a video. Okay, so that's that's a tutorial. And then the toolkit itself, that's a PDF. Let's go here. I think I already have that pulled up. Okay. So stopping COVID disinformation, it says, what are the best sources for accurate and reliable COVID-19 information? Your home state health department, your county level department of public health, the government, okay? U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC. Um. And uh, and prevention FEMA FEMA's rumor control page, that's the rumor control page. Okay, and then finally, da da da, the UN World Health Organization. Those are the best sources, according to DHS, for for public information or propaganda. However you like, I'll I'll get to you, Bloody, in just a minute. So, what are the different kinds of false information? Well, it's, it's false, but not created or shared with intention of causing harm. Malinformation is based on fact, but used out of context to mislead or or harm or manipulate other. That's usually what disinformation is characterized. But no, no, no. Disinformation is deliberately created to mislead, harm, or manipula- manipulate others. Okay. So what are the primary malign actors associated with the spreading of the COVID-19 related disinformation. Who are these people? They are Russian, Chinese, and Iranian state-sponsored element, as well as domestic extremist groups. Okay, I'm going to focus for two seconds on that one. People who didn't go along and tow the, the narrative ended up lumped as extremists. Whether they like the label or not, they may have automatically been smacked with an extremist label whether they liked it or not you may be labeled as an extremist I actually may be labeled as an extremist as well but I don't know if I've been given a label as an extremist all I know is that there is infrastructure to tattle on me and you and anyone in this room actually uh, if they go to DHS or they go to a local authority in the FEMA You know, train based on this this uh, spread of information, which was supposed to be theoretical, and in the staging areas, and, and they were going to try to thread this through. This is live. This is live policy that's out there right now. So, you know, before we thought it was just a proposal. It was an anathema. It was a really. It was a. It flew in the face of our of our civil rights. You paid for it already, and then the PR and comms people and policy people already put it in play. While they were having these show trials with Nina Jankowicz doing a song and dance and getting her fired, CISA was putting this crap in play. So I'll go ahead and take your call, Blotty. Welcome back.
2: I just got bad news. I know you're talking about all this size of Twitter and uh, DHS but my, last night my nephew informed me that his uh, mother-in-law had a heart attack.
1: Oh, I'm so sorry was, to hear that.
2: And she's one of those ladies that was so into the vaccine. So my his oh. wife which is which is my, his, you know his wife is right now over <clears throat> in Texas they live in the dyball are you familiar with the dyball area of texas? are you yeah. yeah yeah and uh but you know they they said texas style Die dyball yeah. <laughs> okay. the the whole, th- the whole thing is i don't know if she's going to make it she was so into this stuff and the question that william asked me not long ago this kind of answered that question have you had anybody well yeah this is the second person in uh, my extended family Mm. Not immediate family because he's my nephew. He used to be my immediate family, extended family, and it's kind of sad. Oh, and it's I, very I, I sad.
1: Know. The miscarriages are the saddest for me because these are yeah. women who, who had, you know, they were encouraged to quote unquote do the right thing. It's going to be safe. They were told it was safe for their baby. They were lied to. It could be up to eighty percent of of uh, failed pregnancies. I, I saw a metric with a, a crisis pregnancy doctor this week and um, it could be up to 80% of fetal failure. I mean, just, just miscarriages. And the state won't take responsibility for that unless unless you report it. Whether you go online and dissent and talk about your story, if you report it as a vaccine injury to the government. They will at least have statistics, and those things are reportable. I also think that people who've lost their 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 loved ones should start a separate um, filing. you next, I echo So, so I'm glad you second me on that. Um, I think that there there may even be a nonprofit out there right now, or or just a citizens group that's that's producing, you know, numbers of dead. In these, in these situations where they can, they can just kind of account for the, their losses if they believe that it was due to myocarditis or some of the complications of the vaccine or maltreatment, malpractice, uh, distreatment, meaning like being, being refused treatment for having COVID. That's ridiculous. I can't think of anything more ridiculous than refusing a person medical treatment because they are sick. That is so ridiculous. But it happened. That's the kind of thing that happened. And to say, well, you just, it just didn't happen. Your, your loved one did not die uh, because of COVID. You can't confirm that. that. That was also something that happened. People said, well, you can't confirm that this person died of COVID. It's like, well, okay, well, they were they were fine before, and now they're not. You know, a lot of people recovered naturally. They they were fine, and I was I was one of them. I had a little brain fog for a while, but but I I was fine. <sighs> uh, but it's it's not more deadly than it actually is. Some people will have have more problems, but this other leg of this, this is just to control us and to extend the control and governance regime past the pandemic. If you look at the G20 uh, battery of of Great Reset, um, things that they passed this month, you know, like earlier this month, or was last month really, in the fall, um, when they passed that G20 battery of, of recognition, it was all SDG, ESG, DEI, climate change. It was just like rip and read from the World Economic Forum. It was 100% like, like, they just took all the points from World Economic Forum and jammed it through and said yes to everything. It was unbelievable. And this was one of the things that they, they greenlit, is that that misinformation, disinformation, and safety must be the control axis for speech. That, that speech itself is unsafe. Speech itself is dangerous. Um, I had the chance to listen to Glenn Greenwald's um, Locals Rumble because I'm a subscriber. That's the only way I could re- actually get it. Um, <clears throat> but because I did listen, I listened to some really great lawyering. He made the best case for why uh, speech that is offensive, speech that is awful, Speech that Kanye West said um, should be allowed. And it is protected by the federal government. And the federal government has zero zero cause to stop that level of speech, no matter how terrible it is. Now, if someone starts menacing or threatening someone with intent, that's when it ceases to just be speech and it, it goes into being a threat. It transforms from being you know, speech to this is a threat. So if someone openly threatens you online, that really is an unsafe speech. Um, But there is a legal definition for menacing and threatening and harassment and the exchange of ideas and saying, you know, "I, I, I believe this wacko thing that I didn't like 10 months ago. So, people have a right to change their mind. They, they have a right to explore concepts. Um, <clears throat> and, I, and I shouldn't have to sit here in America and defend this. He, he made the best argument, and I, I just urge you to, to try to subscribe and, and listen if you can. Um, so, there's Alex. Hi, Alex. Uh, so, let me get into some of this Twitter file stuff. I just kind of want to make the merge here. Um, so,. Hunter Biden laptop bombshell, Twitter invented reason to censor post-reporting. So the, the post, the New York Post has been kind of the the vanguard for most of the Hunter Biden laptop because they have uh, a woman there whose name is escaping me, Miranda Devine, who actually wrote the book on the Hunter, <laughs> the laptop from hell, that's right. Uh, the laptop from hell, and she produced it as one of the the main investigative researchers and reporters at the New York Post. So one of the yields from the Twitter files is that the Hunter Biden laptop uh, was billed as hack. Like, oh, this was a hack. We have to we have to bury it. It was a hack, and it just so happens that this uh, citizen software group was also named Hacked Hackers. It's a journalism group called Hack Hackers. So because it was uh, billed as hacking, they had to bury it. So I don't know how reliable, I think people should probe that a little bit more, especially if we're paying them $5 million for both software and journalism. Who are these people? Hack hackers. Are they the NSA's publishing group or propaganda arm? Am I allowed to ask that question? Probably not. But I will ask anyway because I am curious. So um, so Twitter just freelanced its baseless decision to censor the post-bombshell Hunter Biden laptop scoop in the run-up to the 2020 election with top-level workers at the social media giant agreeing that controversial decision was effed damning insider communications released by CEO Elon Musk Friday reveal the chaos and confusion behind the closed doors at Twitter in the immediate aftermath of the October 2020 Hunter Biden expose showed that the small group of top-level execs decided to label the post story as hacked material without any evidence behind the back of then CEO and founder Jack Dorsey. Musk tweeted a link to the account of independent journalist Matt Taibbi, uh, who was invited to this program but didn't come. I just want everybody to know that. Like Matt Taibbi didn't show up. He's like not here now because he's probably busy publishing Twitter files at this moment. You know, I think it's okay that he blew me off for this. Uh, but the chaos and confusion. Must tweet a link to the account of the independent journalist Matt Taibbi shortly after 6 p.m. who shed light on Twitter's shady censorship decision by posting what appeared to be redacted emails between Twitter employees the decision to censor the post story was made at the highest levels of the company according to Taibi, but without Dorsey's involvement so that is so interesting that is just so interesting why don't we look at what happened to Taibbi so journos attack reporter Matt Taibbi for publishing must Twitter files oh you got my story you got something I did it okay so, Wahaj Ali said, "Mat Taibi, what a sad, disgraceful, disgraceful downfall. I swear, kids, he did a good work back in the day. Should be a cautionary tale for everyone. Selling your soul for the richest white nationalist on earth. See, now Elon Musk is a white nationalist. It was going to happen anyway. He just had to get to a certain dollar amount. No, no, I'm just joking. Sorry. Well, he'll eat well for the rest of his life, I guess. But is it worth it?" And uh, so they're panning Taibbi because he's competition. Mainstream news reported flooded social media to smear in step with Democratic strategist journalist Matt Taibbi. He is a Democratic strategist, and they're smushing him as sad and fraudulent when he released his bombshell report on political censorship on Twitter. Matt Taibbi, what a sad, dishonorable downfall. Again, everybody's calling it sad. What's sad about it? I'm elated. I'm like, we know what's true now. Anyways, so the Daily Beast columnist, a New York Times contributor, posted, Waha Ali, I just said, sell your soul. On Friday, billionaire Elon Musk, who vowed to give the social media giant a free speech overhaul in its acquisition last month, told Taibbi that a Democratic insider relied on Twitter censorship to suppress the post. He released a shocking collection of internal letters proving that. The Hunter Biden laptop coverage ahead of the 2020 presidential election. There's also, instead of just Twitter files, I want you to know that there's a subtweet drama, also known as Twittergate. So let's look at Twittergate right now. I close out of some of these tabs. Oh, hashtag Twittergate. Let's see what we find. Twittergate: How Elon Musk is revealing the dark side of American politics. Okay, so this is expressly political. Elon Musk's Twitter files revealed plenty of details about former executives' abuse of power while running the platform. In November, Elon Musk promised to publish evidence of Twitter's suppression of free speech, and on Friday, he announced he would reveal Twitter's role in suppressing news about Hunter Biden's laptops. Matt Taibbi, author of Griftopia, The Divide, The Business Secrets of Drug Dealing and Hate Incorporated put together a thread detailing how Twitter began to control the situation with delicately political implications. Little by little, over time, Twitter's staff and executives began to find more and more uses for these tools, which means that there will be a spray of uses after they're done with COVID, which is what I kind of indicated earlier once they get the infrastructure into society they don't ever want to rip it out so once they get their 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 needles into social media and using our our local infrastructure to to exact censorship and try to control the speech of of normal citizens through this little citizen reporting mechanism um which is illegal, it is illegal, okay, to do this. But they are still gonna try to do that. The other hack that the the globalists will use is that they have more repressive regimes they can rely on to demand the takedown of information that they deem dangerous or illegal. For instance, uh, China did have some great success in trying to manipulate the State Department to take down information. About COVID, um, based on what was going on in their country, like this is dangerous for the people in our country to see on Twitter. So I want you to censor some Americans on your platform, which is not okay. So, and I have since been followed by bot accounts that looked like they were expressly—they were Chinese. Let's just lay it out there. They were Chinese Chinese bots trying to mine my account, trying to check me for, for saying things against the the People's Republic of China and their crappy CCP government that is now killing people in their homes and roasting them alive. And now they're in the streets that I, I got to hand it to the, the Chinese people, you know, getting out there with sticks and batons themselves and saying, we're not going to take this crap anymore. We're not going to live underneath, you know, she's. Awful autocratic garbage. We're taking our country back, however we gotta do it. We're not gonna be s- slaves working at Foxconn while while Apple censors Americans while he's over here. So I think I'm I'm done preaching. If anybody wants to jump in and talk, say whatever you gotta say. Laddie,
0: <laughs> William. Yeah. Um. I while you were talking in the live chat, you know, it's fascinating to think that. They want to limit speech from good doctors while they practice medical malpractice. If you look in the live chat, um, COVID jab responsible for ninety-four percent of the heart-related illnesses in children. Start yeah, studying. Yeah. They have the COVID jab responsible for. Um, they had an eighty-four percent increase in uh, in job-related uh, cardiac. The deaths. The Florida Attorney General member, what was his name, Leobo or something, he reported on that for men 39 to 18. So, you know, we have, of course, there's always studies that the CDC puts out to contradict that, but they want to run their narrative and put us all in their protocols around the world. This is starting with, right, remember the uh, G20 nations on the new vaccine passports they they want to push right right there
1: you go that's exactly yeah. what i'm talking
0: about yep and so this is starting with the who and as i've been california's on board right they're trying to limit those doctors free speech um australia uh maria z did a piece uh today i just saw with a couple of good doctors how the passing law of I forgot you came into the room. That that was the room I was doing before, Sheila, about the law passed to limit doctors from being able to say anything against the the, the government narrative, or they can lose their medical license. And my God, I mean, as if what it's bizarre. It's, it's like they're no, like you said the uh, miscarriages in um, the vaccine dump. That I'm sorry, the the uh, clinical study that uh, Pfizer did. Um, 42,000 people, uh, only one woman had a normal birth. You know that, right? When the, the vaccine dumped, 281 women, only one had a normal birth. That's oh, unbelievable. Another... Oh yeah, they hid that That um, that vaccine. Um, there's lots of, of, all the side effects were listed that um, no one got informed consent because no one was told about all that. Do you follow Oh me?
1: yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Nobody would say, yeah, I mean, they were all told, you know, this is safe, this is going to be, you know, it's safe, you can take it, it's been tested, you know, all the rats made it through, no, no, they can totally sue, unless, you know, even if, even if, no, if they've willingly misled these poor women, these poor pregnant women into this because there's they're still telling pregnant women i saw a really irresponsible uh note from from a medical official in the united kingdom who was busy telling people that the that the vaccines were were safe for pregnant women
0: it's crazy that the you know they would wanted to withhold disclosing for 55 years all their trial data remember and then when they got sued they being pfizer they tried to push it to 75 years. They lost that. The judge required them to disclose, best of my recollection, 10,000 pages a month till they got it all disclosed, some hundred odd thousand pages. And the first 10,000 pages showed, you know, of people in the trial, there were 1,200 plus deaths, uh, whether they were all related to the vaccine or not, um, uh, uh, needed to be studied more. If you follow me? That was way above the normal death rate you know for of that number of people do you see what I'm saying and um oh the guillain syndrome the shingles the, the Guillain-Barre, uh, yeah, Guillain-Barre syndrome yeah. yeah okay and then uh, I'm not a medical doctor I'm just trying to stay up to no, speed no, to the I mean, I,
1: I, people, people know it as guillain Bar. so okay. so I just wanted yeah. to say that offer that
0: to you well, thank you um, the, the blood clots the strokes the myocarditis, the pericarditis, and people are like, oh, well, COVID's worse than that. Really? Do you know Bill Gates at the World Economic Forum 2022 said about COVID? I'm going to best of my recollection, paraphrase it. It was, well, you know, COVID, we really didn't understand it. Uh, turns out it's, um, low death rate, kind of like the flu, little different, actually has a lower death rate amongst children than the flu. A little different than the flu. Um, So, therefore, you know, vaccine uh, passports and mass mandates don't really make much sense. You know, mostly affects the elderly, uh, people with comorbidities. In fact, the CDC reported that 94% of the deaths were people with two or more comorbidities. So, elderly, you know, other comorbidities, maybe uh, uh, sleep apnea, um, uh, metabolic syndrome. Oh, here's one for you. Um, the United States had 25% of the COVID deaths with 4.3% of the world's population. 25%. Mm-hmm. We have the highest metabolic syndrome of any country in the world, that being, you know...
1: I think it's because of the, the petrochemicals that are out there in, in, in food and in the environment. We try well, a I- lot of experimental stuff in our culture. We make room for new things, but with that comes risks, and, you know, we don't always... We don't always absorb what those, those uh, drawbacks are going to mean. BPA is definitely one of those those petrochemicals or the chemical compounds that's ended up in inks that everybody handles. Um, so if you're handling receipts and uh, anything with, with heavy printing, also cans had a lot of BPA. BPA has gone through so many things. People are, are getting rid of it because it has bad metabolic outcomes for a lot of people. So I just wanted to indicate that.
0: Well, actually, also food. The, the glyphosate in Roundup is sprayed on all commercial produce and grains. The glyphosate knocks out gut bacteria. Which you know you there's need- a
1: class-action lawsuit now for, for, for Roundup? There, there have been in the past, but there's an official new uh, Roundup uh, lawsuit. So if, you, if you've been exposed to Roundup and you got cancer... Like their weed killer, or um, some of that stuff, then then you can you can, and you have reason to believe that it's for you, you can go sign up for their class action lawsuit. I just yeah. saw it the other day. I couldn't believe it. You know, years ago they had the worst lawfare. You know, they had the most aggressive lawfare out there, and, and and it was terrifying because they were going after farmers. They were going after all kinds of people. And it was the worst. You know, the OCA, which is the Organic Consumer Alliance, who were trying yeah. to get people to, to please, you know, come eat organic because it's not riddled with chemicals. Right. Um, you know, they were in courts fighting these people. Were, and we were really trying to get, get more support uh, for people to, to have a healthy diet. Anyways, um, so... I just wanted to ask you really quickly, should we rat on our fellow man for having uh, dissenting questions <laughs> about their health during COVID?
0: No, I'm here always questioning and, and so over you and that's a good speech. I mean, please- Hey, pre- pre-
1: So, what do you think? Should we rat on our neighbor? No, or, no,
2: uh, no we'll be no different than all the rats in the soviet union why why should i give a rat's ass whether my neighbor took the shot or not it's his death not mine you know what you don't have to live yeah
1: you don't have to live with the consequences
2: exactly why should i be a burden to him didn't he get shot up so he won't get sick so what are you worried about me let me die in peace an old man when I'm looking back in history and saying this dumb ass took the shot and now he's dead <laughs> along with those dumbasses in my family that took the shot I live they died I'm the smarter man
1: I'm sorry it seems so Darwinian Ugh you know and I I don't want it to be that way but I I kinda took strains and pains you know we moved to another state so that we could have more Liberty there were Vaccination passports and and the population were a bunch of you know eugenics born globalists that you know love Bill, licking Bill Gates' shoes. Okay, so I was definitely outnumbered, and so we left. We left Western Washington and Washington State because they were all down with it. You know they have this this funny way of doing things in Washington State. Like they'll grow uh, a Roundup or or a GMO crop right next to' an organic crop and they'll think that they're really great because they did both. yay but they don't understand that one affects the other and that the seeding and and, and you know the way that the wind blows and the chemicals go, go onto the onto the organic crop like no no we got it right. We're awesome. We satisfied everybody. <laughs> we have Franken food over here and then we have our regular food. That is not frankenfood over here and we're just gonna we're just gonna bill it as as both good food you know all the while you know there's winds blowing and there's seeds co-seeding and
0: uh... (laughs) well there's another aspect to this Sheila a lot of farmers lost their land because what happened was there's the seeds blew over the monseeds and and ended up uh, That's right. That is right.
1: That's the lawfare I was talking about. That's what it. the OCA was was fighting back in the day.
0: For those who don't know, Monsanto then sued the other farmer for having mm-hmm. their product on their land when the wind blew it over from the pollination. It was nuts, nuts, and people lost their. They couldn't afford the lawfare, like Sheila was saying, so they lost their farms. This is predatory capitalism at its absolute worst. Yeah, I'm
1: glad, you, I'm glad you knew about that, William, because a lot of people didn't. And um, you, you've been around to see a lot of stuff. Um, so, Vladi, I'll let you have the last word before we get out of here. What, what do you want to say
2: about if, this If uh, I'm going to be around l- like-minded, uh, pure bloods like myself. Well, I hope to see <laughs> you guys go into your ripe old age, and if I'm younger than you, I think you're younger than me, Shayla, so you'll see me become an old fart before I see you become an old fart, but at least we'll be able to say together, we outlived them. We were the better person. We were the better men and women. We were smarter, and we strive, and we're still here, and they're gone, unfortunately.
1: And we are still here!
2: We are the champions, my friend. We're going to be singing that one together, but without Freddie Mercury.
1: Let me just take us out on a a high note, Uh, MIA, the artist is going to see Julian Assange today and I have it on good authority that um, Mr. Rafson, Rafson? Um, who visited with Glenn Greenwald uh, had interviewed and he is doing a persuasion tour. Uh, all over the Americas through up through South America into Mexico to persuade uh, world leaders in this hemisphere that Julian Assange should be allowed to be you know he should be allowed out of his cage because there really is no crime here except for the insults of the national security state okay that that is the, that is the only crime that occurred. Okay, but it was, which is not a crime. It's just an insult. And they they were made to, made to look bad and humiliated terribly. But that's not a reason to keep him in an indefinite detention in a Western country. Like, this isn't Saudi Arabia. You know, just because Stratfor was insulted and they lost some data, and the public doesn't trust them anyway because they're, You know, they're acting on behalf of who they're acting on behalf of themselves. They were busy taking hand over fist and taking money from the federal government, you know, under these black contracts that nobody's ever allowed to question because there's, you know, and there's so much graft there. I don't even want to get into it now, but this is graft. The reason why Stratford went after Assange and Barrett Brown and, um, you know, People in the zone with Palantir, they were insulted because the people could say, "Hey, I don't want you to spend my money on Stratford," and that's relevant. If you know that they're there executing security services that you don't want, you can say, "I don't want Stratford. I'm going to yell at my congressman. This is this is a bad deal for me." They're they're laundering or, or chopping and screwing information about me without me knowing it and they don't have my consent. So, And, and that's also one of the secrets to administering, self-administering your rights with the federal government. You have to know that they require your consent in order to administrate your information. If you withdraw your consent to any federal actor, this is a hack that I've published online and in my books. That they have to obey you. It's like it's like magic. They can go against your wishes, but they, there will be a record if you send it in in writing to your senator or your federal official, and you demand that the list and trees of agencies who use these black sites and black softwares and these hidden uh, third-party vectors. If you make demand that they not. They do not have your consent to move or transfer your information. They have to stop. They have to stop. And so if you do that, you will have more privacy and shield from the federal government who presumed during the Obama administration that there was just blasted reach indefinitely through 17 to 60 agencies. Every tree of the DNI, every piece of the DHS... And anybody in between from the Federal Bureau of Investigations to the DEA had access to all your intimate stuff. And if you were online ever, it was scary as hell. So, yeah, you had to stop the bleeding. And that was one of the means that you could have. The It's one of the fruits of the Nixon administration from the church committee is the... Uh, the Privacy Act. So use it or lose it. Use it or don't be private. Okay, we're at three o'clock, Mark. Uh, thank you guys for joining. Oh, oh. go ahead, Bly.
2: I don't know. I, honestly, I needed to talk to someone and at least to hear you guys out because I had a very difficult day, but I'm thankful to God that I'm able to get out of the house. And, you know, as an American, say, I'm free, I love life. I take care of my mom. I've shared it with you. We shared it with William. It was just, I had a very frustrating day, but I had to step out. I still had to go pay my rent. I hear you guys, and I'm like, I'm still alive. <laughs> and I'm not jabbed. They are dying, and I'm alive along with you guys. <laughs> anyway, you, know you guys have a wonderful God's weekend.
1: God's not done with you yet. I know, I know. He's he just something else good for you. It's going to happen.
2: Thank you. Thank you. And I love to hear you. I miss you when I don't hear you, Shayla. I miss William when I don't hear you guys. I want to hear you, even if I get tired sometimes of you and I step out. But I, I haven't heard you in <laughs> over two weeks, so I got to hear you. Okay. Bing, open up and parrot away.
1: <laughs> wah, 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 wah. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Vladdy. Um So, Jonathan, thanks for, thanks for dropping in. Uh, John, Alex, and it's been fun. Brady was here and then he left. So. Um, I'm happy to have an audience with you guys as always I'll be back next Saturday around this time and uh, so thank you for joining and and, uh, you know reviewing some of the source material up top and and have a a nice good think about these things and I'll be watching out carefully for the Twitter files and uh, I might do a spontaneous room just in case there's something relevant to say. Because I wasn't able to do that yesterday. All right. Till next time. It didn't fire off. <laughs> Come on. Outro.
0: Thanks for listening. Before you go, hit the subscribe button. Remember that callers are welcome. Subscribers can access Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast Archives at Substack, Automatic, iHeartRadio Podcasts, and Call In. Please stay in touch. We want to hear from you. Visit SheilaMDean.com.